Whether you have an idea for a product or your business is in full swing, the way you fund your business objectives is always open for interpretation. From bootstrapping to crowdfunding to taking that first check from a VC, we go over some of the ways to fund your business. Later, we are joined by Arlen Hamilton, founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a venture capital firm dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. Hey, Kelly. How can merchants leverage customer data to drive more revenue and increase retention? How can they create personalized experiences customers love? I recommend Octane AI, the leading buyer profile platform for Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. How does it work? Octane AI features a shop quiz, Facebook Messenger and SMS, and opt-in tools. Using the shop quiz, merchants can get to know customers with interactive questions. From product recommenders to gift finders, you can learn about a customer's needs, preferences, pain points, and more. This information gets saved into buyer profiles, and you can sync your buyer profile data with your Facebook Messenger, SMS, email, and ad campaigns for personalized customer journeys. What kinds of returns can brands expect? Brands using the shop quiz have increased email signups by 16 times and driven a 28% increase in average order value. Facebook Messenger and SMS see 80 to 95% average open rates and drive up to a 20% increase in revenue. Better yet, Octane AI has plans for any size business and offers a 14-day free trial. Every plan gives you access to the shop quiz, Facebook Messenger, SMS, and opt-in tools. There are also plans available where Octane AI's experts will help you set up and optimize your tools for success. This sounds great. Where can merchants go to learn more? You can learn more, book a demo, or try it free at join.octaneai.com slash commerce tea. Again, that's join.octaneai.com slash commerce tea. Good morning, Rian. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. I have a question for you. Yes. Did you watch the Super Bowl this weekend? Yes. Who won? I'm not sure because we're recording this before. (laughs) (laughs) But I know we're going to watch it. Here's why. I'm really fascinated. And people are going to be like, of course, of course, right? I, A, I actually really like sports. Because my daughter plays sports, and and while it's a different sport, there's always something nice to see about you know camaraderie and teammates, blah blah blah. But also, I love to see how brands choose to market. Yep, I think it's interesting. Like, what? Why are we putting you know X millions, if not billions, of dollars in this commercial, and what brands are going to do it? Because last year, I believe we saw some DTC kind of. They went from like small startup to huge acquisition type companies. Yeah. Uh, so, and then also, I believe Miley's performing at halftime. So, like, I thought it was the weekend. Is she it? Also, I, I yeah. think she's in it as well. Okay. So, oh. it's the weekend plus okay. Miley. I, I just know so. I saw that she was like jogging on, uh, what is it called? What do you jog on inside? A treadmill. A treadmill while singing. <laughs> and yeah. The, I did a millennial thing where I just read the headline that said Miley jogging to get ready for. Oh, see, I watched the TikTok of it. <laughs> Aren't you so cool? I'm so young and hip. We're actually starting a TikTok, Kelly. We are. And by that, I mean we have the, they have the handle. So step one, check. It counts. 
It does count. It does count. What about you? Start making content, you know. I've got some content ready. I've got my Octi from Octane AI, which is like a little robot doodad, which is... A robot doodad. uh, But I was warned not to feed Octi after midnight by the Octane team, but they didn't tell me that when I got Octi, my little robot. So I'm concerned because maybe she fed on some electricity in my office because she was really naughty the next day. Oh. I'm very concerned. I had some words with the Octane team. I was like, you guys have to tell me this before. It should come with, you know, like a disclaimer. Handling the instructions. Yes. Yeah. Like. It's like when you adopt a pet, there's like. Yeah. Feed the pet. Take care of the pet. I know. So it's okay, though. I, I'm, but I'm a big fan. And, and Octi is going to be one of our first TikToks I decided. Wonderful. I'm um, 100% for that. What about you? Are, are you going to have you watched the Super Bowl? If we're pretending we're <laughs> I will that? have was going to watch the Super Bowl. Something like that. Uh, yeah, we'll be watching the Super Bowl. Um, we're hosting a Super Bowl bar, uh, party tonight. Um, it is going to be the two of us. We did not invite anybody. Oh, like us too. Party of three for us. Party of two for you. That's right. We're Zoom still having pizza and beer. You know what we recently purchased, and I'm I'm kind of excited to try them is we purchased uh, non-alcoholic beer from three different companies. And I'm excited to just see what, Ooh, see what it tastes like. I'm excited for you. Let me know. Uh, my daughter drinks non-alcoholic beer, too. It's called root beer. I love root beer. <laughs> she also likes having pizza and beer, but it's just, it's gluten-free pizza and root beer. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. She's like, can I have pizza and beer? I'm like, yes, you can. Here you go. <laughs> but... But okay, okay. So here we are. Super Bowl has happened. Somebody wins. There's a bunch of go great teams. Go teams. And like maybe I'll have some snacks. Who's to say? My husband did say he asked me, "Can we air fry something today?" That's appropriate. With with no specifications though about what we're going to air fry. Uh, we're both doing Noom, so we're like trying to make healthy choices. Cheese. Just stick a cheese stick in the air fryer and see what happens. Yeah. I don't own an air fryer, so I'm just what I, I'm go just, I'm curious what will happen. Just throw some cheese. <laughs> I'll do it. I don't care. We'll see. <laughs> Please we'll report, report back. You we'll want content back. for our TikTok? I found it. <laughs> People are going to be like, this is mania. I can't believe okay. this is I found my favorite TikTok account, by the way. I don't remember their username, but it's a group of girls who sing covers of songs, but they intentionally sing the covers of songs terribly, like completely out of <laughs> tune. And they try to keep a straight face through it and they're like taking turns. Oh, it's so good. Because, you uh, know, everyone's like, like most of my TikTok is just people singing. So it's hilarious to like occasionally flip through and see just like completely out of tune. I I love that. I really love that. Creative content. It is creative content. Speaking of content, uh, FYI, everybody, we're on Clubhouse, which as is some of the world, but not all of the world. If you're listening and you're like, I want to be in the Commerce Tea Clubhouse Club, we actually have quite a few invites to give away. Yes, we do. Please join us. If you're already on Clubhouse, you can look up our group. It's called Commerce Tea, our club. What? I know. Very (laughs) conveniently named. I love it. Um, we are going to, we are considering doing some live episodes on there, but also recording so we can publish them. Yeah. It'll be very raw though, compared to this. It'll just be. (laughs) That's okay though. 
That's yeah. okay. Um, I'm I'm okay with that. And I think we're going to be doing some just like live teardowns and stuff on there too because teardowns are a lot of fun. Teardowns are a lot of fun. Friendly ones, of course. So yes. yeah, if you if you're if you're listening and you do need an invite, email us. We only have so many, but email us and we'll see what we can do. And just promise us that you'll be kind when you get onto the platform. That's my role. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the title of this episode is You Are a Blank. Yes. And that's not like me cursing and blocking out the curse. Why did you choose this title? I chose this title because in Arlen Hamilton's book, It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage, in the introduction, there's this part where she's hyping herself up before she goes into a meeting. And she tells herself over and over, you are a venture capitalist, you are a venture capitalist, you are a venture capitalist. And there's something about that that really resonates with me as an entrepreneur, because there's just moments where you're like, no, you are the boss, you are the entrepreneur, you have a small business, you are a woman in tech, you're doing great, you know your stuff. Like that kind of positive self-talk, I think you know, is super I important. don't appreciate you just reading our text conversation of everything you just <laughs> I feel very attacked right now, Rianne. <laughs> this is literally a personal attack. <laughs> <laughs> because so many of us uh, work through imposter syndrome. And I, I want all of us and anyone who's listening to take a second and say, I am or you are a, and then the next thing has to be positive and factual. And that's a, you know, I... I am the creator of great experiences, or I am the curator of great conversations, or whatever that thing is. Either you are or I am. Just do it. Take the time. It's worth it. It works too. It does work. I'm I'm really big on the 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 power pose. Power pose. Sometimes I just need it. And this is just the the verbal power pose. It is the verbal power pose. And I'm also a lot of uh, my friends will message me something that's very like self doubty. And my response is always, we're not doing imposter syndrome right now. <laughs> Speaking but, of texts you send to me. <laughs> but it's important. It's like you kind of need someone to be like, we're not, nope, nope, stop. We're not doing this. Yep. We're not doing mm. this. We're not going down this whole, I'm not good enough because you are good enough. And that's why. Uh, I titled this episode the way instead of we were Kelly and I were kicking around other things like how to fund your Shopify business or how to get financing for your shop and I was like no this is boring this is boring like I opened the book and I was like you know what this really resonated with me when I read I've read this book like three times now and uh yeah that's 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 really it now our backup title how to fund your Shopify business that's what we're talking about today before we do our interview with Arlen. So let's let's run through the different ways that you can fund your business because I feel like there's uh, there are multiple ways that you, you can do this. There's a there's no right or wrong way, but there is potentially the best path for you and for your business just based on what your goals are. Yes, and and Kelly, you and I actually fall into the first bucket of what we're talking about. Yes, which we is do. Kickstarter. Boots. <laughs> not kickstarter i want to start an agency please fund me yeah everyone will be like uh how about later post <laughs> revenue please post profitability <laughs> the first the first thing that we're gonna talk about is bootstrapping 
slash self-funding. I don't like the term bootstrapping because I feel like there's like some toxic connotations that come along with it, but that it's, it's definitely what the industry set calls it. Yeah. So basically just the, the general blanket term for you're not taking funding for your business and you're growing it without that external funding. Yes. Period. Exactly. Period. Although a lot of bootstrappers do use credit. Yeah. So there's still <laughs> like your your funding is just coming from the bank instead. Yeah, it's coming from a credit card or a line of credit or and, and that's another way to raise money is self-funding. And that can well, self-funding is when you, you know, write a check from your business or from your personal bank account to your business bank account. That's one way of self-funding. And we are not accountants, nor can we give or financial advisors. This is not legal advice. We're just talking about the stuff, just as a disclaimer. Disclaimer. I am not an expert. I am, um, I am an expert of many things. This is not one of them. This is yeah. I spent many years in banking, but I've been out of the game for a while. So, so that's self, some self funding strategies. But I feel like this is, is a good. Bank. This is a good place to start when you're testing an idea. When you're not going full into market necessarily to the point where you need to have like an expensive supply chain or expensive fulfillment 3PL kind of situation, you're, you're kind of dipping your toes into the world of e-commerce and you're, you're just getting started launching your store. Um, however, of course, you might need funding again to purchase uh, materials for, yes. you know, if you're selling you know, products. So, I mean, it, it, self-funding can definitely represent itself in uh, different businesses. And, and, you know, if you're if you're already financially fortunate to be able to fund your own business by writing that check from your own bank to the business, it's obviously a, a very viable path to take. Yeah, it's a privileged path to take, but it is it is a viable path to take. Yeah. And a few of the things that Kelly and I are going to speak about are actually what we've called well, I just wrote privileged things. Privileged, privileged things, yes. <laughs> uh, because some of these things are just not on the table for everybody. And it's important to recognize that not uh, the system isn't created for everyone to succeed in an equal pace. And while we, in a utopian world, would like it to be, that's just not the case. And so it's important to say, like, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to raise a friends and family round. Spoilers. My ex- Spoilers, my experience may be very different than the next person who's raising your friends and family around. And I've seen that actually, where people are like to some founders, like, why don't you just raise a friends and family around? They're like, well, because my friends and family don't have any money. Like, how am I supposed to raise a friends and family around if my family and friends don't have any money? Right? That's not always a viable thing. You yeah. Like, not many people are just like, oh, yeah, let me just call my friend, you know, Bob the Zillionaire and see if he wants to put some money behind I the project. I have friends with the same name. Bob, Bob the, the Zillionaire. Zillionaire. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I went ahead and, and ordered that one next, uh, being raising funding from friends and family, because again, it is an option. If you if you do have that as as an option, you do have the friends and family with financial backing to be able to support your business. Again, it is a very privileged thing. It is a very my my uncle actually calls this round the friends, families, and fools round. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Okay. Another okay, before th- we before we yes. move on, let's let's dig in a little bit deeper to friends and family because there's also a, a level of risk there by involving oh, yeah. your friends and family in your business. Oh yeah. I, I think you have a little bit more experience with, the, with this than I do. Um by, you know, maybe participating in them or working with businesses who have done a friend friends and family round 
anything, any advice you can bestow upon our listeners? Yeah. So I've been a part of this from the angel investing side. I've been in a few friends and family rounds. And here's the deal when you're investing capital. This is not financial advice. It's, it's like with anything. Do not invest more than you can lose. Like you have to go into, and it's not that I don't think that the that these ventures that I've helped fund are going to be successful. I do. Other, I'm not just like writing checks because they're my friends. Like, no, I'm writing them because I think that they have a good business and it's viable, right? But at the same time, you can't just be writing checks that you can't afford. You have to just assume you're lighting that money on fire. Yeah, you can't be okay with it. You cannot expect a return. And Not only that, but it's also a very long-term game. Very long-term game. Like I, I've I I read or I, I wrote a check. Actually, you send a wire. We always say writing checks, but really you just send a wire. I sent a wire last year. And you know, I the sales cycle on this or the potential exit on this, this is like six, seven, eight years, maybe. Yeah. But you go, you have to go into it knowing it. Mm-hmm. So the other side of this is when you do give or you uh, are are one of the friends and family in this, you have to kind of sit on your hands and sit back. Like, it's not your business. It's not your business. Like, yeah, and you helped very fund it, distinction. but you are not a partner. You don't get an opinion. And like I said, it, it's uh, the equivalent is, I don't want to say it's lighting your money on fire, but it, you have to kind of treat it like that. Like, here's the money. Goodbye. I hope it has a return. I wish you great luck. You'll get investor updates. But besides that, like, you have no opinion unless they ask for it specifically. Exactly. And trying to be overly involved is inappropriate. It's also stressful. Like, Oh, for the founder. It. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. So okay. that's my thoughts on friends and family round. That is, those are some great thoughts. So. Um, you added this next one uh, while we were recording. So talk to me about taking an SBA loan. It says SBA loan question mark. And the reason <laughs> it has a question mark is because I, I used to be a business banker and I know SBA loans can be difficult to get. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you should never get an SBA loan. I'm saying that there is a lot of work that comes with the underwriting process of an SBA loan. It's definitely a viable option for some folks. I, I would prefer taking SBA loan capital over VC money, frankly. Okay. Because then you're paying back a bank and not, you don't have investors kind of, uh, I don't want to say breathe, setting expectations for you. I think it's worth, uh, for those who are unfamiliar with SBA loans, the SBA is a small business administration. It is a U.S. government organization. Yes. Um, and they work with lending partners to provide loans to small businesses. And what is the general size of those loans? Well, they can get quite hefty. Oh, it looks like you can get anywhere between 500 and 5.5 million. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they can go the range. Real, they, yeah. Just a small, they, just a small range, but there are rules when you get an SBA loan about what you can do with the capital. Uh, we saw that with the emergency lending that the happened. EIDL. Yeah. That there was a lot of rules when you read yeah. the term sheet. I applied and decided not to take it in the end. They were offering me 150000 And I just said, there's so many, so many rules to follow. So that many just, like, rules. This is not worth it. Um, in terms of the taking an SBA loan, they do have eligibility requirements as well. Um, you have to be a for-profit business. You have to be doing business in the U.S., you have invested equity and you have to have exhausted your other financing options. 
Yeah. It, SBA loans are, are challenging, um, but I, if you, that is the path y'all go, I wish you nothing but the best. Relatively low interest rates. That's one of the biggest perks of it yeah. is the fact that it has yeah. such a low interest rate in a, in a long, a long payoff or payback period as well. Because there's also commercial loans, but those are, which are small business loans that are not backed by the SBA. And they can be very difficult to get, not impossible, but you have to be in business for X amount normally, like X amount of time, Y amount of cash flow, Z credit score. You know, it's like this really complex uh, underwriting method for commercial loans. It's, it's better suited for someone, frankly, like our business is seven years in. It's easier for someone seven years in to get a commercial loan than somebody just starting out. Yeah. Significantly. So it's an option. And I'll just say that it is an option. And yeah, there are there are plenty of other like like PayPal, for example, uh, mm-hmm. offers a small business loan because they remind me every single time I sign into my PayPal account that I. Can oh yes, they do. They're something. like, "Would you like one?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Would you like some money? Actually, kind of fun story. I posted about this on Twitter. Uh, they had a, a rounding error on their on their website. Um, I had about thirty four hundred dollars in my um, in my PayPal account that I was withdrawing and. It said my money in, uh, they accidentally multiply it by 100. So it Whoa. said I had about $344,000 in there. It only let me withdraw 3400 Like, oh, that's okay, the okay. actual balance. But all their reporting was off by literally 100 So developers know what that error was. Yes. <laughs> Des- decimal points are critical here, everybody. Floats are tough to work with. <laughs> okay, so what's another form of raising capital. And this is something that Movement did, which has now been acquired by Movado. Like that is a success story if I've ever heard one. Yeah. So Kickstarter, I am think we've all we all become familiar with Kickstarter and Indiegogo and the, the similar crowdfunding campaign websites um, over the years where there are people who you don't necessarily know who are funding, uh, funding your business, usually in like smaller, smaller amounts. Um, that you're raising a certain amount of money. Uh, you're often showing some kind of prototype that you're not actually ready to ship yet. And when ship time actually comes, you're, of course, delivering on it. But quite often, like, yeah, as you mentioned, Movement did Kickstarter as well, right? Yeah, they did. I've actually, I've worked with a number of clients who started on Kickstarter and, and grew from Kickstarter over to Shopify. So, so it's it's a fun, it's a fun avenue for sure. It is a fun avenue. It can be very, very successful. It can also not be successful. And I feel like there's absolutely nothing in between on Kickstarter. Yep. Yeah. Like Kickstarter, Indiegogo. What are some others? Or is that, that's kind of like the two prime ones. There are some Kickstarting apps. You're not usually funding a business through GoFundMe. So that's not a. No, don't do that. <laughs> Let's don't not do, do that. that one. No. Um, so before we kind of go into VC, I think there's worth kind of talking between uh, Kickstarter and taking VC money. And it's a it's it's investing in a company, uh, usually again potentially in smaller amounts. Um, and this is through Republic. And I actually just started uh, investing in certain companies on there last week. Yay! I'm really excited about it. Um, I would explain more in more detail how it works, but I don't know yet. I just handed over my money, and I'm hoping for the best. 
Yeah, I don't actually really understand how Republic.co uh, works, but I, I'd be happy to try to get one of the venture partners on to explain it to us. We're like, explain to us how this works like we're five. Thank you. Next. But it's great because you don't have to be, one thing I do know about Republic is you don't have to be an accredited investor to invest on that platform. Yeah. And that's awesome because, and Arlen talks a lot about this in general. I don't know if it's in her book or we even talk about it in our interview, but some of the accredited investor guidelines are kind of like outdated and silly. In not just my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion. Yeah. And, and Republic circumvents some of those. Legally, they circumvent some of those. So you can get a piece of the pie in some companies that are really rad. One of the important things that's the way that they're able to get around it is the amount you can invest is generally significantly lower than it would be if you were going like through as an accredited invent- investor or like an angel investment. Um, I think like I think my limit is like $2,700 per 12 months. Mm, Okay. Yeah. But that's still, it's, you might get, who knows? Like one of those, again, not financial advice. One of those deals might, you know, 10, 20 X. You don't know. Exactly. I don't, yeah. So, you know, and and I I still like being able to contribute even. um, So I've done, I've, I've, I don't know. I guess I've invested, I would call them back to my, I invested in two of the, um, are they campaigns? I don't know. I invested invested in two of the startups. How about we go that way? Yeah. yeah. Um, So Backstage Capital, um, which (laughs) raised a little over a million dollars in like eight hours, which is congratulations. Yeah. Um, And then the second one is uh, Drink Monday, which is the my favorite non-alcoholic gin. So I I totally missed the Backstage Capital race. Well, I saw announcers like I'll get to it later. And then by the time I was getting to it, they'd hit their max. I was like, well, (laughs) Congratulations, teams. I'm so pumped for them no matter what. So I, yeah. there's a few brands that I look at them and I'm just like, what you're doing is good work and I want to always contribute. But I, I didn't get to contribute, but so many people did. And I'm just so excited for everyone who gets to be a part of that round. That's a great round. There is a wait list on it, by the way, if you wanted to drink. Oh, I should put my name on the wait list. Yeah. They're they're aiming, again, it's it's because of like legal regulations in, ter- in terms of how much they can raise to the platform. Um, they're aiming on hopefully being able to open the wait list next month. Okay. Sweet. I read a comment today about it. Okay. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go do that then. I'm going to do that right after this. So there's the last thing. Yes. And hey. that is taking VC money. <laughs> or PE, which is private equity. So VC is venture capital. PE is private equity. Neither Kelly or I have ever accepted these checks. Nope. I can't really talk to you about what the what the experience is like in, in raising this money or, or going, you know, going this round I've, or going this route. I've heard it's very stressful. That's what I have heard as well. And I'm I'm closer to the circle, but I'm like not part of the circle. I'm like an LP somewhere. You know, I do some angel investing. But besides that, like I I feel like I've got like a grade level, like sixth grade level understanding of the <laughs> PE world. And it's definitely something to potentially consider. But yeah. one thing is to not... I feel this way because of what I do. Like I start comparing myself to other businesses in my vertical where I'm like, oh, well, they've got 100 employees and they raised $30 million in a series A. And like, am I doing something wrong? Because I'm not doing the exact same thing. But if you're doing the thing and you're doing well at the thing, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to take VC. In fact, sometimes it means you definitely shouldn't take VC. Yeah. But it's like a big struggle. Every like quarter, this is my imposter syndrome. Every quarter or so, I'm like, (gasps) Am I doing this wrong? Are we doing this wrong? <laughs> Literally every business owner ever. Am yeah. I doing this wrong? Am I? <laughs> now what that am here, I doing? What am I doing? 
So maybe at some point we'll have a we'll have somebody on who who did raise around for their business um, to kind of talk through what that process was like. Yeah, that would be great. Because I don't think it's a topic we've actually covered yet. It is not a topic we've covered. And there's definitely people to reach out to about it. So, okay. For sure. Add it to the list. Okay. So now let's get into the interview. Let's do it. Okay. Well, we're excited to introduce Arlen Hamilton. Arlen Hamilton is the founding and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a venture capital firm dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are women, people of color, and or LGBTQIA+. Started from scratch in 2015, Backstage has now raised more than $12 million and invested in more than 150 startup companies led by underestimated founders. Let's do the interview. Let's dig in. Today, we are joined by Arlen Hamilton. Thank you so much for being here today. We're big fans of your book and your work. And can you please tell us more about yourself? Thank you for having me. Yes, I am uh, Arlen Hamilton, as you said. I'm the founder and managing partner of a venture capital firm called Backstage Capital. We are a remote team, but I am based in Los Angeles. We invest in startup companies, and those startup companies are led by underrepresented, underestimated founders. And so for us, that means women across the board, people of color, LGBTQ, and other. And uh, yeah, we've, we've invested in, in more than 150 companies now. So it's been a very, very wild five plus years. That is awesome. I, we're definitely going to be digging in a little bit more to Backstage Capital. Uh, I'd also like to talk a little bit about your podcast, Your First Million. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, so my podcast started in the summer of 2019, and it was really based on me wanting to understand what it's like to uh, either raise or generate your first million dollars or have your first million fans or however downloads, however you measure it. Because I had spent 35 years of my life poor, and then I started coming into money, earning money, right? So my life changed over just a very short amount of time. And so I wanted to sort of debunk this myth of how money changes and fixes everything. And I wanted to hear it from the people themselves who are who we may not feel comfortable asking those questions of, but I don't mind asking the question. So I was like, you know, I'm going to advocate for the the listener. So, for instance, we've had um, people like a lot of tech people on. Uh, Ryan Hoover and Justin Kahn. We've also had Ellen Pompeo on, who is the uh, you know star of Grey's Anatomy. She makes twenty million a year and her role, and she talked very candidly about both her role and time on the show and the money itself. And I just love digging into those things to find out you know what it's like. Also, find out what the common threads are, and I think that that would really help not only inspire people to, of course, pull together their own wealth and generational wealth, hopefully, but also to understand that money isn't everything and that mm. there has to be other things along the way so that they don't find that out once they're already there. That sounds exceptional. I, money is so taboo, I feel like. And I, I also think people are so afraid to ask questions, including questions about venture capital. I know I became an angel investor last year and I came into it. I was like, what, what is happening? The words that are being used are confusing. Can you talk to us more about backstage capital? What exactly it means to raise if you are an entrepreneur? Yeah. So 
we're investing uh, out of this vehicle. So we have different verticals, but out of this vehicle for backstage in startup companies. So tech startup companies like a Shopify, like a, a, a Twitter or something like that, but at the earliest stages. So when people have one person or these companies have one person, five people, 10 people, that's when we usually meet them. It's usually post idea, just like, cause people have ideas all the time, but have you ever had that idea that just nagged at you for so long, even over years? And you you couldn't shake it, and you felt like I'm the person to do this, but I don't I'm not I don't know why I'm supposed to do this. When you go from that idea to actually executing on it and getting the LLC and 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 signing forming the company and getting the website going and maybe even bringing other people along with you, that's when we usually find you. And we want to make sure that the best ideas and the best teams are funded at a seed stage level. So we like to invest alongside angel investors. We really, uh, you know, that I think angel investing is like the future of things where somebody can put $1,000 into a company, whether that's through crowd equity funding, like on republic.co or in other ways in our syndicate or backstagecrowd.com. Um, and, and it's not so much there are just these few guys or these few firms in Silicon Valley who can write a venture capital check. I think it's more exciting that there are a lot of us who can write a smaller check together. So we like to be a catalyst. We can write checks from twenty-five thousand to a hundred thousand. We've written checks for five hundred thousand before, and we'll 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 write checks for millions, you know, going forward. But we really like to meet people early, and so that they can have that, that competitive capital, that innovative capital. But not everybody needs outside funding. Not everybody needs venture capital. We try to make that very clear, too. We only invest in 2% of what we see. And I think personally, only about 10% of companies could really use venture capital. The rest can be bootstrapped. So I, I'm very excited about bootstrapping. And I talk a lot about that on my academy. That's at arlensacademy.com. All types of information about how you can just kind of make your customer the investor because they invested in the product and became your customer. So there's all sorts of things that we we like to um, to dabble in, but the ultimate goal is to be a catalyst and to help where we can. I love that you support uh, bootstrap businesses a, a lot as well, because both uh, both Rhea and I have our own businesses that are both bootstrapped too. So awesome. we're That's uh, awesome. <laughs> it's, you and, know it's, how cool it is to like own your companies and be able to do what you want. And you have an idea on a Monday, and by Friday you've implemented it. You have to ask up, you know, ten different people if you can do it. It's a lot. Of, it's very exciting. It's it's how I treat my own companies. It's it yeah it's really exciting and it's it's I think the struggle is that you often see most of the media attention going to the ones who just raised a large round and That's right. we, there's so many bootstrap companies who are doing phenomenal work really cool products really cool services that just aren't getting the attention yeah that's right and you 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 bring up a great point I do this myself I always post about the raises that our portfolio companies have but I do try to talk about the the revenue that was generated just you know and the employment that was generated but I think you're right I think the the moment that general press and tech press and and startup land and entrepreneur press starts having headlines that say you know this company bootstrapped to five hundred thousand in twenty twenty one, then you're going to see more and more people doing that. So maybe you know anybody listening to this, and I'll try myself to do be better at that and expressing that. You're so awesome. I I have your book in front of my face right now. I read it last year and then I reread it before. Oh, cool. <laughs> this Thank interview. You. And 
we have a couple things in common. One is we both slept in a tour van, which nice. Um, and the other thing is you and I have both sold merch from behind a merch table yes (laughs) you can learn a lot in that that, that position right for sure and that's what I want to ask you about is in chapter 12 of your book you talk about sitting at home surrounded by boxes of shirts and I feel like our listeners can really relate to this Mm -hmm. what were your biggest moments of just aha moments or just learnings you had when you were surrounded by boxes of merch. Yeah, that would have been in my 20s and and mostly in my 20s actually was when I was selling my own merch. So I've done merch for myself where it was something that I came up with and sold thousands of t-shirts and hoodies that way. Um, never made a great profit from it, which we t- talk about in the book, but did that and had that experience. And I've also sold merch for the bands and the artists that I've tour managed and and uh, booked. And so w- the ones where it was I was just surrounded by boxes, this is like years of my life where I would put up a great you know a shirt that really worked with the niche that I was working with and get 100 orders overnight and I was so excited but I was doing things you know I made a few mistakes and I talk about that and it's about damn time sorry (laughs) and it's about damn time I was going to say dot com because I'm so used to saying that Um, (laughs) in the book um, I say you know I definitely have had this problem for so many years except for the last five of underselling, you know, and undercutting myself. So I, I had a music magazine, for instance, and I sold that music magazine for $5. And the magazine, if you saw it today, you would say this is a $15, beautiful, you know, $20 magazine, you know, it's something that comes out quarterly, it should be. But for me, I was thinking, I want to have a lot of people see it. And I want to make it really accessible. So I didn't really understand that so much. And with the t-shirts, I love doing it, which is why I kept doing it. But sometimes, man, I would get overwhelmed and it would just be like, you know, days in a row going to the, to the post office. Uh, But I, yeah, like you said, many people can relate whether you're selling merch as your main product or as a promotion for your product. um, Now what I've learned is like, have other people do that for you. That's actually a good question. So having other people do that for you is a really big step in anybody's business because that means you've officially brought at least one person on. So speaking from experience, from working with a lot of businesses, kind of going from zero to one, um, when do you see is the best time to do that? Is there like a usually a certain tipping point that you see for uh, for the companies you work with? Oh, it's going to be different for everybody. And depending on what you what the industry is, what kind of resources you have, what kind of personality you have, I tend to these days think about things as like, what is my time worth? And what is my talent worth? And if something is going to cost more for me to do it, then it would cost, you know, taking away from me being able to do to do the other thing. That's when I have to bring somebody else in who is better at it than I am at this other, you know, who is better at it, like, for instance, uh, scheduling. Like for, for, I mean, this is not exactly the, you know, the best uh, uh, example, but scheduling is what came first. So if I'm doing all my scheduling and I'm, and I have this crazy schedule and it's taking me three hours a day to schedule. And that means that those three hours can't be used with me in six meetings, having six negotiations that could turn out to two deals. That's a waste of my time. And it also hurts the company, right? So if I can say, 
um, I'm go- not gonna I'm not gonna be stingy. I'm not gonna hold on to every penny that I ever made. I'm going to pay someone else to help me schedule these three hours. Who likes doing that? Who is good at that? Free up my time. I then make more money, and I have more uh, of of the upside to share, to spend, and to keep, to keep. So those types of things, you know, if, if I'm not great at spreadsheets, it, there's there's two options and I've done both and I think both work, right? One option is if you're not great at something, then you do spend a lot of time learning about it so that you can become really proficient in it and you save money and you keep going. But if you don't like it, you know, it's not a matter of I'm not good at it, I'm going to learn. That's great. I love on, online education. That's what I, I live for. But if you don't like it and it's a burden to you, why not find someone who adores it, pay them to do it, and then free yourself up to do the thing that you love? Because the thing that you love most likely is the thing that you're really good at and that that thing, um, uh, it, it brings people towards you. It, it creates a gravity for you. It creates uh, opportunity for you. So that's just how I think about everything. And I have to constantly talk to myself about that and say, wait a second, what, what's not working here? What, why do I feel exhausted today? Or why do I feel stressed today? Can I find a place where someone who loves spreadsheets or loves creating uh, slide decks or loves the operations part of, of taking all of this uh, uh, product, getting it to the post office, getting it to Amazon or whoever, uh, or Shopify, uh, how, you know, how do I, how can I make things easier on myself so that I am better for this company? Rian's been hounding <laughs> me on that one. <laughs> Rian yeah, mentors a- me on my agency and I have, I, there are a lot of tasks that I'm still doing that I should not be doing. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do that because either we want to save money that we, we feel like we don't have, right? Or we don't, we feel bad. We're like, wait, we're the boss. We're the CEO. We're the founder. We're supposed to know more and do more and be more, right? It's the opposite, in my opinion. I think your leaders are, are, are supposed to be really good at knowing what they can't do right now and knowing what needs to be uh, delegated and, and, and really creating opportunity for people who really do enjoy those things. And that's a way of thinking of it that's not so, Oh, I feel guilty because it's more like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's an abundance mindset. I'm going to create these opportunities for other people who like to do this thing. I I honestly needed to hear that so much uh, right now because it's something I do. I well, I tell it's, it's like one of those I tell people, uh, hey, you should hire out for that. But I'm over here swamped with work, wondering why I'm swamped with work. Mm-hmm. And I want to touch back on something you said and you and you've said and alluded to it several times in our interview. And that's about your worth and understanding your worth how 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 to understand your worth in general or your work worth or what what do you mean i that's i mean i i i meet so many women who consistently undercut themselves when they're consulting they undercut they're like i'm only worth x and then there's a person over here a dude most of the time saying no, I'm $300 an hour. And then yeah, exactly. my friend's making 30. You know what well, I mean? I, told you, I used to sell this beautiful coffee table like book for the, the exact amount it costs for me to make it, right? Yeah. That's, that's underselling myself. And there's many reasons and, and, and there's a lot of layers to that. 
Today, it's like I'm totally overcompensating completely, and I'm happy about it. I'll give an example. Um, it may not answer the question completely, but it's a great example from the book. Uh, it's about damn time. Uh, it's about my speaking fee. So I used to have incredibly bad stage fright uh, up until I was 36, so March of 2017, and I still had it for several months after that. But I, you know, for many reasons, decided to try it. I then became a speaker. I then said, I, and, and for the first six months, I spoke for free. And I did that on purpose because I was just bringing more light to my company. And then at one point, the speaking started to overwhelm time-wise and bandwidth-wise. So I said to myself, you know, I had this moment. I said, okay, I have to start saying no to more people. And in order to say no to more people for speaking, I need to then add a rate. And it's everybody is going to think it's too early for me to charge for my speaking. Everybody's going to have an opinion about that. I do not care because ultimately I actually am trying to stop people from asking me. So I said, I'm going to say that my rate is $5,000. That's a crazy number. Oh my God. I'm no one's going to say yes to that. So then I won't get asked and I can go back to work. And then every once in a while, maybe somebody will say yes one day. Right? So I say that somebody then right after that, a, a big company comes to me and says, can you speak at this event? And usually it's about DNI. And I said, I can speak at the event. This is my rate. And they came back and said, they literally were like, oh no, <laughs> there's no way we can pay that. A huge company, multi-billion dollar company said, no way, there's no way we can pay you that. We're, we're not going to do that. And I said, okay, well maybe next time. And I do believe they thought that when they said that I would be so shaken by it that I would be like, oh, it's okay. I'll do, I'll do it. You know, I didn't because I didn't want to. The second time somebody came to me and same thing. And I said, okay, this is my rate. And they said, no, <laughs> really, really fast. And the second time I was like, starting to get a complex a little bit. I was like, oh, well, you don't have to say no that fast, right? Then about a month or so later, this all happened through, throughout a summer. End of the summer, midsummer, end of the summer, a major company comes to me and they say, we would like to have you speak, fly you in when we could do that, da 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 and I said, okay, well, here's my rate, you know, and I just didn't think anything of it because they're going to say no. And they came back to me and they said, oh, actually, we had put aside twice this amount for the budget for you. And, uh, and of course, also includes, that doesn't include your travel and accommodation, of course, for you and one person. And I just kind of like, okay. And I wrote back to them. I was like, oh, yes, of course, darling. Of course, yes. Uh, exactly. I wouldn't have it any other way. And do you know, from that moment on, my rate then became 10000 Okay. I did not do a 5000 right? Since then, my rate has gone up to 50000 And it keeps going up when I have milestones. And I do not care one bit if anybody has a problem with that. I don't care if anybody thinks that I think too much of myself. Because I know what goes into, you're not paying for the hour, you're not paying for the day, you're paying for 40 years. And if you don't want me there, don't invite me there. So that's what you can kind of take for yourself. They're not paying, you're not paying $300 an hour for your hour. They're paying $300 an hour for you being the only version of you that exists in this world in all of the years that it took to get you to this point. I thank you so much for that. No problem. That, that was awesome. Sitting at my uh, my speaking rate at two thousand, I'm like, okay, it's at least going up to five next time. <laughs> yeah, whatever it, it whatever makes sense to you. Whatever it's like, what could I be doing if I were doing something else? What kind of money could I be making? Like in those that day or those three day prep that it takes, if I could make 
$600 that day by working on this thing for my company, I got to charge them 2000 because that's three days of, you know, three days total. That's how you have to think about it. And don't think about it in the real world terms. None of this makes sense. Does it make sense for an actor to get $20 million a year? Does it make sense for any of this? No, it's just numbers. So it's about market. It's about uh, supply and demand. And there's nothing more in demand than uh, a person who is there's only one version of and that's every person on the earth. So here we go. Thank you so much for being here today. We Thank appreciate you. your time. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your time. And everybody, I cannot recommend It's About Damn Time more. Arlen, thank you so much. It'll be in our show notes. All the links will be in the show notes. Arlen, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'll see everybody at itsaboutdamntime.com and backstagecapital.com because we're having a great time over there too. That was one of my favorite interviews ever. Okay, y'all, I'm going to be really honest with you. That was like a dream interview for me. I'm super excited that we got to do it. I was just trying to hold myself together the whole time. I love it. <laughs> so, so we're going to do some store shout outs and we're going to actually do them all from the backstage capital uh, portfolio. Yeah. So Kelly, you go first. So I chose Jewelbots as my shout out this time and they're craft kits for like budding engineers, like young aspiring builders. And I absolutely just love this this whole uh, whole concept of it because this is something I never had as a kid and I feel like both my sister and I would have just loved having these science kits growing up um the site's super cute and these products are 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 awesome so that's mine what is yours mine is wild fang so wildfang.com. I've actually been a big fan of this brand for a long time. Uh, they keep targeting me on all my socials to buy a coverall. And as I stare at this website, I'm like, yes, today is definitely the day. Uh, the aesthetic on this is, is great. It's easy to navigate. The products are awesome. And I just, I couldn't recommend this brand more. I've been a fan for a long time. So definitely everybody go check it out. Also, I love the, the diversity uh, with their models, which is super important to me. Like, I want to see what clothes look like on people who are built like me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is something we talk about a lot anyways. But it is. They do it. They do it. Wonderful. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, and I say this every single week, but I swear we will get back to posting more YouTube videos. How this week i'm failing this week feels like a good week all right let's let's do it this week let's do it this week okay i I will wash my hair for the occasion yay (laughs) uh you can find the youtube channel at youtube.com slash commerce t if you like our podcast please leave us a review on apple Podcasts. those reviews make us really happy and we would like more of them you can subscribe to commerce (laughs) t on your favorite podcasting service we post new episodes every tuesday so grab your mug and join us then we'll see you next week bye-bye Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify app store.